you're listening to the Cross of Grace Sermon Podcast, on Sunday, November 29th, we gather digitally to pray and explore God's Word. Pastor Aaron preached on the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead from John chapter 11, verses 32 through 44. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you were always, you always hear me. But I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here. So that, so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The original pre-coronavirus plan for today was for the high school youth and I to use our sermon time to share our experiences about our recent North Carolina trip. And uh, we would have arrived home yesterday, but of course we never went on the trip. I imagine that by this point in our collective social distancing experiment experience, you are well aware of the things that you have been missing out on. Some of you like me are lamenting missing out on long-awaited travel experiences. Some of you are missing work, or at least work in the way that you knew it with the people you were familiar with. Others are missing out on physical proximity and relationships, handshakes, hugs. Others are missing a, a world where the thought of being subjected to a potentially deadly virus was not on the forefront of our mind when we would venture out to the grocery store. All these things that we're missing are legitimate. There's nothing wrong for wishing that things could have turned out differently. For wishing that our lives looked now more like they did just a few weeks ago before seemingly everything changed. So much of what we feel today is, I think, what's behind Mary's words to Jesus following the death of her brother, Lazarus. Recall that when Jesus arrives in Judea from Jerusalem, Mary tells him, Lord, if you had been here, 
my brother would not have died. Now, this is simultaneously a confession of great faith and a confession of great frustration. You see, Mary believes that Jesus has the power to thwart death. That's an extraordinary claim. An extraordinary claim rooted in the many times that she witnessed him healing others. But Mary also feels let down that Jesus did not arrive in time to help her brother. Mary laments that her life has been completely changed in the course of just one week. And she feels like Jesus did nothing to prevent it. So this dynamic is the core question that has frustrated God's people throughout history. If God can heal people, why didn't God heal that person? We've been asking this forever. So sit with that question for a moment. Why, if God can heal people, did God not heal that person? I think it's a universal concern, and it'll bring up some very specific examples in your mind. Maybe you're drawn to one person in your life who suffered in such a way that it seemed like God simply was not present for that person. Who is it in your life that causes you to march up to Jesus and demand an explanation? Saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Lord, if you had been here, my spouse would not have died. Lord, if you had been here, my child would not have died. Lord, if you had been here, my friend would not have died. Lord, if you had been here, thousands of people would not have died from this disease. It's heavy, but... All these thoughts and questions are perfectly acceptable. It's perfectly acceptable to be disturbed by the pain, injustice, suffering, and death that is in our world. It is perfectly acceptable because God, too, is greatly disturbed by these things. Notice how Jesus responds to Mary. Jesus doesn't disregard her concerns as unfaithful or short-sighted. He doesn't get defensive or argue that it's all a part of God's plan. Instead, we read that Jesus was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. Jesus, the Son of God, had a friend who died. And this made him feel greatly disturbed and deeply moved. I think this demonstrates that God is not far off, detached, or watching the events of our world play out while sitting safely on the sidelines. Rather, God is here in the thick of it, in the pain and the devastation and fear, suffering and loss and death and grief. God doesn't want any of that for any of us. It's simply not the way things were meant to be. I, I have to believe that. I simply have to believe that is true. 
because I'm not about to worship a God who stands apart from the pain and suffering and either says, not my problem, or get over it, or, well, at least she's in a better place now. It is comforting to know that God is with us in our suffering, but we're still left with that giant why. Why? Why is there pain and devastation and fear and suffering and loss and death and grief? I don't have any answers to that question. It's one of the great unanswerable questions. I mean, to be clear, volumes have been written in an attempt to explain the problem of suffering, but in my experience, they all eventually fall short of providing a satisfactory answer. But we can still ask the question. We have to ask that question. Otherwise, we resign our faith to one of two false extremes or polarities. On the one hand, we either believe in a God who causes these things to happen, or on the other hand, a God who is completely powerless to stop them. Asking the question of why keeps us in the paradox, in the middle, in the uncertainty, which is a perfectly safe place for faith to reside. Faith, after all, is only possible in the absence of certainty. What happens next in the story does not answer the question of suffering. It doesn't address the giant why. But it is incredible and important nonetheless. What happens next is that Jesus, who is greatly disturbed in spirit, commands Lazarus to come out of his tomb, and he does. This dead man's lungs take in oxygen, his heart beats and pumps blood throughout his body, the neurons in his brain fire. The dead man walks out from his tomb and into the presence of God's son. Now, as impressive as the raising of Lazarus is, it is only a taste of what is to come. Surely Jesus will go to even greater lengths to defeat the power of death, be fully resurrected. And even that is just a taste. For in due time, all of God's creation will be resurrected. All of God's creation will live again. Your friend, your sibling, spouse, your parents, your child, you and I, we will all live again. So when you experience suffering and death, go ahead and ask why. It is a perfectly healthy, natural thing to do. But please also take the courage and the good news that though we cannot explain why there is suffering and death, we know that it is not our ultimate destination. God has the last word, and that last word is always life. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, signs of your 
promise of resurrection are all around us. As new shoots and buds burst out of the ground and out of trees, we are reminded that you can create new life out of death, out of dormancy. Lord, your signs of resurrection are all around us, and so often we miss them. We fail to ask questions. We fail to notice what you are doing in our lives. We fail to pay attention to the promises that surround us. Forgive us, Lord. Teach us how to be close to you, how to feel your presence, how to witness your promises. In this time of great uncertainty and pain, suffering and death, we don't know what you're up to. We only know that you are here with us, experiencing all that we are experiencing. And yet you are still guiding us to something good, to new life, to eternal promises that far exceed anything we could imagine. We pray that it would be so. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.